Hey everyone, it's Brandon Still, host of Nashville Restaurant Radio. And I know what you're thinking about right now. We are so close to being reopened. Whether you're a restaurant or a hotel, there's a big gamble right now. Are we going to be busy? Is, is the mass amount of people just going to flood or is it going to be a trickle? And one way for you to ensure that your business is ready to go is to put together a marketing plan. And that's why Kurt's Hospitality has spent the last several weeks putting together plans to drive business after we are allowed to reopen. They are a full-service sales, marketing, and public relations agency dedicated to growing revenue for their clients. Doesn't that feel nice? Somebody who's out there working every day to get people into your business. That makes much more sense than just trying to post stuff on Facebook. So give them a call. There's no stupid questions right now. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's always nice to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. 615-456-3953 or visit them on the web at kurtzhospitality.com. That's K-U-R-T-Z hospitality.com. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and happy Cinco de Mayo. Today is a pretty special day. It does not feel like the normal Cinco de Mayo that we're used to. There's not going to be any big outdoor parties. I think if you're in Williamson County, maybe you get a little bit of that. Today's guest is Julio Hernandez, and Julio is the executive chef for Nectar Urban Cantina. And he's going to talk about his story, why today is special for him, and um, kind of what they're doing today for their features and what's coming up. So he's just an amazing story, and I hope that you enjoy it. If you like listening to this podcast, please click subscribe. I think that you would get these podcasts daily in your inbox when they come out. You'd be the first person to hear them, and um, I would appreciate it. And I hope that you are enjoying listening to these podcasts. I think you're going to love the episode today. So without further ado. All right, we are here with Chef Julio Hernandez and Chef is and Julio is the executive chef at Nectar Urban Cantina. Welcome into the show. Hey, buddy, how's it going? It's been a couple of years. I know, man. It's it's uh, it's so good to hear your voice. Now today is today is kind of a special day. It is Cinco de Mayo, but it is also your birthday. Happy birthday! Yeah, you, you can't you can't make that stuff up. You know, normally. Uh... People will ask for to see my ID if I'm being honest or I'm lying. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, today I turned thirty. What do you? What do you? Um, thirty years old, man. What a milestone birthday that is! I am excited today to talk to you and get into all of the things that made up those thirty years and see all the stuff that has been jam packed into those thirty years, and then I want to talk to you about what you anticipate in your 30s okay yeah definitely uh it's hard to say what's coming but definitely so let's get started let's um let's start with when you and i met i met you i guess gosh it was around 
I was I was a child and probably what twenty possibly ten years ago. That's uh, maybe it was like 2010, 2011, something like that. You just arrived in Nashville. You were cooking at the Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club. Oh yeah, the iconic Bluegrass. The guy's name was Cobb. It was David running the Cobb. kitchen. Yeah, David Cobb was running the kitchen. Uh, funny enough, he's actually running Creation Gardens. And last time I saw him a week ago. Uh, he's doing that's a, so funny. Yeah, he's doing a, you know, taking care of making sure everything goes in the right place. And I, what better person than a chef to do that, you know? Creation Gardens, what chefs want is what they're called now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been just innovative and they've always been forward thinking and been on the chef's side really forever. I've always been a big fan of what they do. So you uh, left. So you're at the uh, Bluegrass Yacht. What did you do of the Bluegrass Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club? Oh fuck! Shoot. I mean, uh, first started, I learned to make midloaf. You know, I just came from New York, and I'm like, well, what's midloaf? I don't know how to make this. Uh, so you know, uh, I worked with chefs such as Chris Scott back in the day, and you know, he showed me a few tricks. More than anything, he shared a lot of his personality with me, so I was able to develop that as well. You know, chefs don't only teach cooking; some also have other great tools behind them. Um, and then you got Chef Barb Pickens, uh, who is now at Party File, and uh, he taught me a lot of cooking. He opened my eyes. He turned me from a cook to think like a chef, if that makes sense. 100%. Barb Pickens was amazing to me coming up also. You, you also got to have uh, enough coffee to deal with him because he's all over the place. He's uh, He ain't stopping. The f- <laughs> he's, he's the whack... I think he's the wackiest chef in the city. I think he's one of the most underrated. Uh, to me, he's got all my respect, and I look up to him a lot. And I, I say this maybe once a week, you know? And it's maybe not the cooking. It's more the personality and the tribe. I mean, he's, he's what, like, I don't know, 20 years old right now? And he's got this energy, and he doesn't stop, and he doesn't think twice, and he's, he's just doing it all, you know? I met Bart. He was at the Sobro Grill in the Country Music Hall of Fame. This was in 2006, I think it was. And um, the first time I talked to him, I said, okay, so we're going to meet on Tuesday at whatever time. And he's like, yeah, all right, Tuesday. I'll see you then. Holla, holla. Peace, <laughs> love. Donnie Osmond, out. <laughs> yeah. he, said. he goes, peace, love. Donnie Osmond, out. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, it makes your day. It really does. So little things like that is what I also kept. You know, we're like, hey, what's up, Playboy? You know, let's skip a fun. You know, it's uh, you got a lot of things to do, and if you're happy, you'll accomplish a lot more stuff during the day. You know. Well, you've always been that guy. You've every time I see you, you are full of positivity. Like every time I see you, every time I see you in a kitchen, if I see you in personal life. Whatever it might be, you're just like you're a happy dude, man. Yeah. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear more about how that happens. Yeah, it's uh it just clicks, you know. Uh just positive outlook. Positive outlook, yeah, for sure. So I want to get let's get back. So we you came to Nashville, you said around 2000, 2010? 2010. And you <clears throat> your parents were immigrants, right? So you yeah, were yeah. born and then you were Kind of raised. You so went to I Mexico. Was, tell me, tell me, kind of your story. Yeah, let me take over on this one. So I was, I was born in Queens, New York, 
and mom was Colombian. My dad's from Mexico. Uh, shortly, say I was two months old when mom passed away. So dad, you know, had no choice. He tried to raise me for about five months and he found himself, you know, he's trying to do construction work, restaurant job, driving a cab. Uh, and he had a, what, a seven month old kid, right? So I ended up going to Mexico to live with grandma and, you know, that's where I met my stepbrothers as well. And I stayed in Mexico till the age of 11. So at 11, I moved back with my father to the Bronx now. So it was transition like, whoa, now here you go. This is, we'll take you away from here. And so when I first got here, uh, just by natural instinct, you know, I miss my friends. I miss my community. I miss my food. I was just so against everything. I didn't want to learn the language. I didn't, I was just against it. I was like, no, like it took me away from a happy spot. Um, you know, and then as years go by and then you start to see the beauty of all this stuff. You're like, all right, this is not bad. I still remember my first words in English, which were, can I have a slice of pizza, please? And I practiced and I practiced before leaving the house. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get me some pizza. <laughs> can I have a slice of pizza? That was it. That was my first uh, encounter with English. <laughs> so, so what was it like growing up in Mexico from two to eleven? You know, you're there. You're growing up. You're living with your grandmother, and you get back to America in New York. What were the things that you were most angry about that you oh, missed here, the most from Mexico? Usually, people don't often think about it, and it's just not exposed enough. When I was in Mexico, I don't know if you could call it bullying, but when I was a young kid, you know, I'm a, I'm a little lighter skin. I'm still not white, right? But um, back in Mexico, the kids in school were mean. Kids are mean. So they'll be like, hey, go back to your country. We know you're not from here. And then I get here, and they're like, hey, go back to your country. We know you're not from here. So I'm just kind of like 13 at this point. I'm like, so what's going on? Like, where, where do I run? You know? Mm. I, you know, it's funny because coming from Southern California, I was born in Southern California and I moved here when I was nine, but I got a lot of that too, just in Nashville. Cause I wore like Stussy clothes and Quicksilver and cause I grew up like at the beach, you know, so I moved here and people were like, you're different, you know, and school mean kids are mean. Kids are um, mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I, I in turn was your mean. spot. You find, your, you find what you love and then, uh, it clicks in. It was, it was a perfect transition. Good. So you, you're in New York now. You've learned how to order a slice of pizza. How did you get into the hospitality industry? Uh, that's a funny story. So I was about 15 years old, and I was like, I, I need a job. I just, I always want. I'm very active, right? So I need a job, and uh, I decided to go to the restaurant row, the famous restaurant row in Hell's Kitchen, and I walk up and down. There's about what 40 restaurants in one block. I walk <laughs> up. And down, up and down until I pick one. It's like, oh, this is it. This is the restaurant I want to wash dishes for. This is worthy enough. And I went in, applied for dishwasher job. I ended up with a busboy job. So I was like, all right, bossing tables it is. Um, it happened to be one of Joe Bastianich restaurants, Becco, where uh, little did I know, you know, they pretty much building me to who I am. Like the first restaurant. Still is my home, 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So what was the, was there like a, I've used, asked this question before, was there like a seminal moment that you had, like when you were in there that just, you kind of just went this, this is for me, like where you just felt at home? Yeah, dude, uh, you get there and everybody that works in the hospitality business, you know, you, you walk into a restaurant and it's a different feeling. You, you get to talk, Hey, how you doing? You catch up with your buddies. You're like, so you're telling me I can eat, hang out, learn, and get paid? Like, I'm going nowhere. So you found this camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. And did you move up from there? Were you always a busboy there? Oh, dude, it took me – with this personality, it took me about a month. Uh, about a month <laughs> later, uh, they put me to food running. And I was a terrible food runner. Let me tell you, I will stay at the tables and be like, oh, you like some more wine? Will you like some cheese? We have these. I was in love with Italian food. If you haven't figured it out yet. So I'm like, hey, we have this amazing pasta special. Make sure you get it. And the manager is like, all right, dude, can, can you just move you up to server then? Like, you suck as a runner. And so you uh, went to be a server. Yeah, so I got to do the whole serving for a couple of years in, in Broadway. Nice. And um, when did you get in? When did you start working in the kitchen? Uh, shortly after I realized I was a terrible server because I always hang out in the kitchen. You know, I was like hanging out with the boys in the bag. Like, hey, show me how you cook that steak. Hey, let me try that sorbet. Hey, you know, and then I'll get in trouble with the manager. Like, hey, dude, you do kind of really are a bad server. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because Nick, Nick Gidry, you were telling me you were listening to this episode. That- yeah. He's got the chef's bar that is, you know, kind of there at Pelican and Pig where people can sit at. And his idea was, we'll have this. The chefs can wait on tables and they can make some extra money. Then he quickly realized, he goes, chefs don't want to wait on tables. No, (laughs) that's not their their thing. Not a thing. Not a thing. So uh, that was fun, man. So they decided to um, give me my real kitchen job. Uh, I went to uh, Chef uh, Jan George. Uh, Bangor Easton down in the meatpacking district. You know, at this point, he's a huge, successful chef, and I'm like, I want to work for that guy. So he's running, uh, he's got, what, 32 restaurants around the world. So I get a job as a prep cook at the Spice Market, uh, right next to Chelsea Market. And uh, let me tell you, that's, I still have nightmares of that place. Uh, the prep was insane. The, uh, Skill level require. I haven't seen in Nashville even. You know, it's a. Uh, it was bulk, and finesse all together. We would push, I don't know what, sixteen hundred covers on a Tuesday, and we had to make diamonds out of watermelon for service. Wow. I'm on prep. Like, yeah, that was that was a quite an experience. You know, uh, got to work in that. I would say that. One of the most aggressive kitchens I've experienced and worked so do you, a pleasure working at. Do you think everybody to be successful in the kitchen needs to work in a kitchen that just pumps out more food than's possibly able to do? Like, does everybody have to work in a place that is so challenging that they can overcome working almost anywhere else to be successful? That's a good question, you know, because I keep, I keep wishing I could go back to the spice market and prove this but you know i'm not gonna say i was the best there i did good but i keep wishing i could go back but they're no longer there 
but that's my. Well, now you've got you got a little you got a little chops now, and you want to go back to show. Hey, look, I'm not that, that, that kid that I was back then. Yeah, dude, I used to try to peel the langa with a peeler, and my knuckles told me that was definitely a mistake, you know. But they were letting me learn learn the hard way. I mean, you know, I think that back in the day with like when I was at Creation Gardens and I told the story with Monty that it was a Mother's Day and somebody slashed our tires on the trucks and we had the oh, yeah, Mother's it. Day Vanderbilt graduation. And, you know, you just have to go just a thousand percent for like eight, ten hours in a row. And back then it was seven days a week, yep. nonstop. And it was just more work than I could possibly handle. But I overcame and did it which then for the rest of my career so far, I've just been kind of chasing that level of an, an mm-hmm. insanity. And I kind of want, I miss it. I need it. It's almost like a drug. Well, yeah. And, and I am very glad that I got to, I would say the end of that industry, however you will say it, because it's different now. It's not, kitchens don't run the same anymore. And it's a good thing. But definitely I'm glad I was able to be part of the last I don't know, saying brigade is the right word. But I was able to be part of that, you know, and experience it, which I agree with you. It makes you like, you know, you have that extra gear in you. And you just, you got, yeah. you got it there. You're waiting for it. Um, so when did you, when did you move to Nashville? In 2010. But 2010. When you, so for, from there, from the spice market, is that when you, why did you move to Nashville? I guess is the question. Uh, it was more of a, my first, my first, my son was born and, I was going wild in New York, you know. Uh, I would sleep in the subway because I had too much to drink. Then I would wake up and it's like, oh shoot, I'm working a double. I gotta, I'm just gonna go back in the same subway, you know, and clock into my shift. And that seemed to be becoming a little bit of a pattern. So, mm. I was like, all right, it's time to pack it up and go, you know. Uh, my brother lived here, so it was easier to get a room and. I ended up at the Bluegrass Country Club as a first job, which all my knife skills that I had learned really didn't pay off. Because back then it was maple glaze pork loin with sweet potato mash, you see, catfish, you know? And so that was kind of what I walked into. Uh, That's after, easy to make. Yeah, after the uh, Bluegrass, I went on to, I was about 25 now. And I was able to, uh, I landed a job as a sous chef, eventually executive chef of uh, Fox Lane Country Club, where I had a really good run. However, so go ahead. I want to, I want to jump back here real quick. I want to interrupt you, but you, you said that you moved to Nashville. You had a child. Mm-hmm. And when did you have a child? Like, I mean, that's a big part of it. How old were you? I was 20, 20. Yeah. 20, 20 right? years old. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been wild, you know, so uh, 20 years when it happened. Okay. And then, so you had a kid where you, did you have a girlfriend? Did your girlfriend move with you? You married? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. So, so the girlfriend came over. She moved with me to uh, to Nashville. And uh, okay. I kept working, you know, uh, I was making a good $13 an hour back then and trying to make it in life. But, you know, you're young. You got to start somewhere. And... Then I kept going up the ladder, right? As the more you, the more you know, the more you work, and then uh, eventually landed Fox and Harbor, Fox and Harbor, which was the first executive shop I landed at the age of twenty five, twenty six, which 
you know, I felt pretty accomplished. I was happy. I was on top of the world, in my own little world, of course. And I was like, all right, I'm going in the right direction. But here's where the story gets a little interesting. About a month and a half, two months into the job, uh, the wife, the ex-wife, wakes up and uh, she tells me she no longer wants to be part of a family and that she no longer wants to uh, be a mom. So, whoa. What? So, you know, you trying to process this. And I remember it was a Sunday morning. And, and you have two kids now. And now we have two kids. We have, a, I'm going to say, a five-year-old and an 18-month-old baby girl. So she years, wakes up and says, I don't want to be a mom and I don't want to be a wife. Correct. She's like, uh, and you got to think, we met back in New York when we were both wild. So I guess one grew up, one didn't. Uh, so she took off and left. And I'm here trying to figure out how to do a job. And then I'm sinking in and like, holy cow, this is real. And my first thought were, I got to go punch it in order, <laughs> you know? And then I guess I was just in processing the reality. So it was just dark, dark hole. Uh, so I want to get back to that. So you get, you get, is it a phone call? She calls you and says, Hey, I don't, I don't want to be a mom. Don't want to be a, no, no, uh, no. She, she woke up, she woke up one morning and I guess maybe she just, she had to say it, you know? Uh, was your first thought anger? Were you just mad? What what went through your brain? No, it wasn't anger, dude. It was, it, I, shoot, I guess I saw it coming, you know, there's little clues okay. and I was just more shocked, but my brain the whole time was thinking, I need to hustle. I cannot stop. Uh, rather than saying, asking why I was more thinking, let's go. All right. What's let's next? Go. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no hesitation. Uh, with that being so said, you're, 20, you're, you're 26 years old. You're the executive chef at Fox and Harbor. You've got all this creativity. You're trying to put every ounce of your being into being the best chef you can possibly be. And then your wife says all of this and you're transitioning. Go. Go. Let's go. Uh, there were some dark moments, but the first thing, first thing I did, and I'm glad I did, um, I promised to my five-year-old, I was like, hey, dude, we're going to be fine. And that ain't going to drink a single drop of beer, alcohol, none of that. Because I knew that was a problem. I knew that's what led to all this. So I promised my kid, I'm like, hey, dude, uh, we're going to pull through. And sober is the way. So it was about a year, man. I would not even taste Berblanc. It was that big of a promise. You know, I would, wow. not, I would not taste. And we had a good run at, at Foxland. We did. Great food. Uh, I had a wonderful sous chef. I learned under Josh Tomaski. And, you know, we made our pasta. We were proud. We make our emulsions. We basted and we cook. I remember we even had some sea bass back then. Can you believe that? Like, that's. Yeah. I haven't even had sea bass in a while, but we were doing great things. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I chose uh, to stay sober. But more than anything, I was like, I need friends and my sous chef at the time uh josh davis he's a hat towards now you know and the crew they're all very supportive and on top of that i reached out to chef garrett piddler uh, who was what is it uh city winery. city winery and right now he's uh all red 
Full red, yeah. And then I also met one of my best friends, uh, Brandon Frome. Between Chef Garrett and Brandon, I knew they have gone through something similar. So even though we were not friends, I had to give them a call. And they, they took the phone call. And they talked to me and they gave me advice. And the advice was, because I asked, I'm like, so do I, can I become your prep cook? And you can just pay me X amount of money so I can come home to the kids. And their advice, both of them were, no, nah, dude, don't stop. Keep pushing. Things will be fine. Uh, you have a bright future ahead of you. Don't put it behind. Like, don't jump into a different career. Just keep pushing. And I'm glad I called both of them, you know? That's so mature for somebody at your age to reach out for help like that. I mean, so many people, chefs, people in the industry, there's so much pride of, I can do this. I'm just going to power through. But the vulnerability to call people that kind of had the similar situation that you knew of to ask for help. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing. And it was everything that you needed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, you know, after that, things started getting better. Uh, it can only be so bad. Right. Uh, but the problem is though, so I'm trying to do this job at an early age and then, it comes a lot with it. So there was running to the daycare. Before the daycare, you got to get the kids dressed. Uh, one of them happens to be a girl, so you got to learn how to do pigtails or ponytails, at least. And then you got to <laughs> come back home, pack some lunches so they can go with the babysitter. And then on top of this, you still got to make fresh pasta. You still got to run the squidding taco you've been thinking of all week. Uh and, you know, it only lasts – when things get bad, it, it'll be okay eventually, you know. And there's a happy ending so far to all this. Uh, I A couple years later, uh, this beautiful girl came in and applied for a garment jet position at Foxland. And I didn't think much of it. I said, oh, great. I, can, I got staff, you know. Getting staff was difficult. <laughs> So little did I know she was soon to become my uh, my wife, and we now have a baby girl together. She has a beautiful kid of her own, which is my kid as well, and then my two kids. So now we have a family of six and an 80-pound golden retriever. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah, That's uh, just like – that's everything. I love hearing that. So you, but you guys work together – yeah. You and your um, your wife, and that didn't you did you didn't want to continue working together, right? No, no, no. It was all these were a lot of happiness, but it was also very it was a lot of drama. You know, let's let's be honest. Uh, the hospitality business, everybody knows everybody's business, and yeah. I was like, Thanks. okay, uh, I think it would be best if I take another step on the, a different direction, which was something I've been meaning to do which was to actually join and cook for Hillwood Country Club, which I couldn't be happier about. I I got to uh, cook with Chef uh, Patrice, a uh, Poppy, which, you know, he, if you know Poppy, you know his personality and he's a oh, cool French, you know? Um, he you know what I love? Uh, go ahead. I love everything about the Hillwood Country Club kitchen. Uh, when Chef Perry Seal was there, it was great. 
Yeah. Um, right now, Mark Mark Wayfield, you know, he's uh, it's hard. He's he's the hardest chef to read. Let me tell you that. I love love Mark, <laughs> but you don't know if he's pissed at you. You don't know if he likes the food. You don't you don't know, man. He's just straight up. Uh, he's just hard. Gangster. I could not read him. Super nice guy. And then and then as soon as his little kid walks in the kitchen, he's the happiest dad in the world. His knowledge of fish, my God, like yes, seafood is unbelievable. What this oh, yeah, guy dude, he, knows, he knows which way the fish is swimming right now. It, it's out of control. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked him one time. I said, "What kind of salmon is that?" And like forty-five minutes later, I was like, "I now know more about salmon than I've ever <laughs> wanted to know." But it oh. was awesome, and he's he's like that. He's a he goes like he is like professional fisher, so he goes out every morning at like four o'clock in the morning yep. and fishes for three hours and then comes and works a 12 hour day. You know, uh, Colin, uh, Colin Messner, who was, uh, we shared titles of sous chefs back in Hillwood and, uh, him and I always would love to go listen to his lineups and we'll come back to the kitchen going, dude, did you just hear that? Like, are you serious? We're like, he went on and talked about fish for 10 minutes and, we're talking, you know, like just oysters or clams and locations and what they eat. And we're like, bro, we got a like we got a long way to go. What a what an awesome what an awesome um, experience working at Hillwood Country Club. I just love that kitchen. I love everything about it. Patrice being in the kitchen, his personality, and then um, <laughs> and you got Josh, Mark, and then when Josh came back, when Josh came back was super exciting. And then your your energy in that kitchen, I imagine it was like a dream job was man we we were able to get our stuff down uh it, it was good man it was a it was one of the best runs one of the happiest moments you know working there and the club itself they they take care of you so it's hard not to you know yeah no and so that prepped you for what you're currently doing yeah 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 right so how did that come about it was it was out of the blue uh I think the whole nectar thing is Brando's Brando's front fault. He gave my number to Bruce Fields and Hunter Haggison, and they mm-hmm. would stop calling. So eventually, I had to come meet with them. We had lunch, and you got to think I'm I'm doing I'm very happy at Hillwood, so there's no reason of leaving. And then they keep calling, and I said to myself, "Well, might as well go get a free lunch and smash a margarita. Makes sense." <laughs> Um, and you've seen the kitchen at Hillwood and Nectar is, I don't know, you know, there's numbers I can describe. It's Hillwood's huge. I walk in this kitchen and I'm like, oh, there's a flat top. (laughs) All right. This will be fun. And, but there's a reason I took the job. You know, the, the main reason was to showcase my food. Uh, I had a great time making pasta. Uh, I have a passion for it. Um, but I've always always, always end up making family meal, which was Mexican food. And watching front of the house, enjoy it. I was like, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing and they're enjoying it. Because I don't really know how to cook Mexican food. Like I took this job without knowing how to cook Mexican food because, you know, I when you work in restaurants, you eat what the, you cook at the restaurants. So necessarily I wasn't trained to work Mexican food. Um, but yeah, just watching the family meal be successful and they're enjoying it and they're like, oh, hey, Julio, can you make family meal again? I'm like, 
yeah, okay, no, we created, I created a monster, you know? Um, that's not what made me take this job. I wanted to show people more of what is Mexican food. Uh, of course, it comes with its limitations and territory. You got to look and find your clientele. And I think we did, you know, necessarily it's not full on Mexican food, but we can, it's closer than Hillwood Country Club, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you just, you're a guy who has a passion for life. It seems to me like everything you're doing, you're, you're, you seek out people that have energy and you want to share your energy and you have a love for food and the food that you make. I mean, the, where the presentation of how you do that, did you, were you ever an artist? Like, did you draw? How did you, how oh, do you no, 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 dude. do I, what you do? I, I'm very good at that. I stop at stick figures. There's no drawing skills whatsoever. Uh, it's just, it's in my, oh, I think a lot of chefs can relate. It's in stuck in your head. And it's in your head and you just got to get it out somehow. Uh, and thankfully, cooking is what I do. And I'm able to express what's in my head. And I'm always, you know, thinking of the next thing to do. Which one of those things was the guest chef series that Nectar had last year. We had a good run with it. We did a five guest chef where we started that just for fun, see what would happen. I ended up making five best friends out of that, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's something I did want to talk to you about. You do a guest chef series. And I've always said to my wife, because I haven't had this conversation with anybody else, that if I, if I had a restaurant, I would want to bring other chefs in like as a series where we would have like their influence for a night because how cool would that be to build your community around other local chefs? And then I saw you guys doing it and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. But there's no, the competitive nature of I'm going to have you in my kitchen. We're going to share this. It embodies every single thing that is hospitality. It's bringing other chefs in. It's talking, it's building that friendship and then creating food for your community to enjoy Mm -hmm. And you nailed it. You had Chef Hal Holdenbeish. Oh, yeah. Which, which he, he, he held a tortilla class in the middle of his guest chef series. He had kids making tortillas. He had just guests making tortillas. Uh, they were pressing them and putting them on the flat top. And that, to me, was priceless. I'm like, I have the one and only making tortillas with everybody else at Nectar. Like, what else can you ask for, you know? I, it sounds like paradise. We had we had uh, Josh Cook and Chef Katie from Haas come over. Uh, let me tell you, they blew it up. It was crazy. We had people that were just driving by, and they saw the name Haas, and they're like, oh, oh, like, we're not even hungry, but we're here. We're going to buy it, period. <laughs> um, I had Joey Moltini. He did this amazing cochinita pibil. That was, that was crazy. Uh, I had one of my best friends, uh, Robbie Manzanava. He did dry aged rebuys over hickory wood and fresh tortillas. Oh. And then Brandon Frone did a tostada and tried to set the bar on fire by the end of the night. That happened. I didn't even want to ask that story. Oh, that, that's, that's another story. But yeah, we, we, we tried to set the bar on fire. Um, so it comes with responsibility sure. all days, man. I just think the guest chefs, the, the, the vibe no. at Nectar 
Irving, yeah. t- tell me about the actual yeah. restaurant itself, like the yeah, outdoor yeah. area and the whole. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. The overall vibe there. I really just want to, I don't know if you guys got a shout out, like the ownership here makes you want to work here. Uh, they own it. They, they And by saying they own it, they get down and dirty and they work and they push hard and they hustle. I remember the morning we woke up from the tornado. We had just done Kushan 555 downtown. So the whole staff was tired. We, we had to hustle for that. And we said to ourselves, we're taking a break. We wake up and it's tornado time. It's like, holy cow, this really happened. And it happened about two minutes away from Nectar. And being a community, like you said, a community restaurant, uh, the ownership, uh, Hunter, Bruce, and Tina, their first text message at 8 in the morning were like, hey, do we have enough chicken? Do we have enough tortillas, steak to get the taco truck out and feed people? Um before I reply, my sous chef, Josue, reply, and he's like, already cooking chicken. Nice. So, dude, that was wild, man. It was crazy. Uh, obviously, you know how that looked. And it took about five minutes. The truck was loaded. We had food. And we did two runs every day of the week. We fed about 500 people a day. And real waters. And a lot. You, you have no idea, man. Like, I, I got to arrive a couple times just watching people and their, their houses are destroyed and they see this taco truck rolling down and they're like, oh, forget about the house. Let's go eat tacos. I was like, yeah, yeah so it's a, li- a little bit of happiness, right? That's so amazing, man. I talked to Hunter briefly on another episode. We kind of talked about this, but just the the community response. And again, if there's one thing I want this show to know is that locally owned and operated restaurants is where you need to be eating. That's yeah. where you need to be going to get these type experiences because these are the first responders. Yeah, when this are. happens. You guys get out there literally at eight o'clock in the morning the next day. You're out there feeding people who lost their homes. I mean, that's that's like saintly, man. Yeah, it was crazy, dude. Uh, and then keep in mind, there's nothing going on. There's nothing available. People are confused, and the restaurants packed too. So. It was a very busy week, you know, and we had people charging their phones. I come to the office. We have outlets. We had people. uh, I I actually ended up paying an Uber ride for a lady who's like, hey, I just don't have any money. I need to get across town. Would you give me some cash? And like, I'll put you in a cab. I'll call you an Uber. She's like, oh, thank you so much. And just we were just acting on it. it. There was there was no book. There was no green card to follow. It was just. This is the right thing to do. Let's do it. So you're at the you're at the restaurant right now, mm-hmm. and um, we're getting ready for uh, Cinco de Mayo. I don't know if uh, it's it's hard to know nowadays with everything going on, but uh, being Cinco de Mayo, I think we are going to be able to bring a lot of good feelings out there for the community today. You know, forget about the problems going on around the world, and just enjoy, have a little get together today at home, enjoy some tacos and kick back and have a relaxing day today, you know? So that's what you guys, you guys are doing tacos. Do you have any special menu for Cinco de Mayo? Oh yeah. 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 We, we today we're doing a little preview of what's coming. Uh, so we have, uh, 
I have this passion, right? I have a passion, just like uh, corn. I started a little page, and it's not a business. It's more of a, I want to showcase what corn can do, uh, the nixtamal process of making tortillas. Um, Maiz de la vida. Maiz de la vida. Uh, as of right now, I have a meal that is being built in Mexico that should be here in about five weeks. And this guy is going to open the doors to a whole new uh, Mexican scene. You know, there's, uh, as a Mexican chef, uh, I look around and I'm like, which was my favorite Mexican restaurant in Nashville? And by Mexican, I mean authentic. Like, where's my grandma at? And I can't find it. There's good spots. There's places that are close to it, but it's just not it. And I'm like, what's missing? What's the one piece missing in the puzzle? And I'm like, well, Mexican food's a lot of labor, as it is. It's labor intensive. Um, so You're making tortillas and all the different... Well, know. even take away the tortilla making, just making Mexican food, it's labor intensive, you know? Uh, making it happen, it's a lot of bracings, a lot of... Just a lot of seasoning. We're not shy on the seasoning. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's no time to go make tortillas for eight hours. There's no time to make masa. And it's like, what if I can produce on masa and let other chefs shine? Um, so because of this, Nectar is going to be the one spot where we can start producing this, uh, putting out real Mexican food. And we still got, I mean, the chicken taco here, it's by far Mexican food. It's, it's pretty yeah. close. I eat a lot of those a day, but I want to <laughs> produce something authentic as well. Kind of best of both worlds because I have a passion for uh, what Nectar Cantina has, the uh, fresh and healthy and the Mexican. And then I have a passion for authentic Mexican. Uh, so, yeah, I'm planning to do a few uh, events out of Nectar. Uh, I met this great guy, uh, Edgar Vitoria. Uh, he's going to do a guest chef uh, pop-up in here. And we're going to keep it curbside. So, but the idea is legit, legit original Mexican food. And I think that we can start showing people some of that. So you just said... You grew up in Mexico mm -hmm. and you had your grandmother used to make food that was authentic Mexican food that just brings you back. That is like everything to you. And you cannot find that in Nashville. No, 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 you, you cannot. You cannot find it in Nashville. You've met another chef um, Edward. and Edward Edgar. Yeah. And he... And you are going to make food like your grandmother made coming up soon in a guest chef series at Nectar Urban Cantina. That's right. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's yes, please. Yeah, dude, that's, that's what we're shooting for. And that's the beginning of other projects. But, yeah, definitely. When's that going to happen? We're, we don't have a date down yet. Uh, but more than like the beginning of June. Um, right now we're drafting... The next pop-up, which is going to be called uh, Friends and Amigos. With the whole COVID-19 going on, we're not trying to gather too many people. So we're just going to do uh, Friends and Amigos with the people that work here, uh, possibly at my house. You know, we're already here every day together. So we're just going to 
smash some tortillas and forget about what's going on around. Mm-hmm. So, wow, man. So it's hard to believe with that story that you're only 30. Uh, you have had an action-packed three decades of your life. What are you anticipating for your 30s? What, what's what's in your next stage? I'm obviously making the tortillas, really working towards Maiz de la Vida. Uh-huh. And Say that focusing on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> working on... Um, just just creating authentic Mexican food and really continuing to improve everything at Nectar Urban Cantina. But what about you personally? What anything that you want to do? What do you see for your th- are you excited? Are you do you yeah, feel like you're getting old? No, I'm not getting old at all. I don't feel old. You know, even though I go home and I see four kids and I'm like, I must be 40. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so things I'm looking forward for besides the food and all this uh i want to go back to mexico for a few weeks and just relax that's one thing i want to do i want to show uh i want to show emma um my soon-to-be wife uh what i always brag about because she's never been she has no clue so obviously that's gonna have to wait till things are able to happen but that's really what i'm looking forward for man just taking taking a break and going back to the beginning. Well, you certainly have uh, worked hard and I commend you for stepping up to the challenge. Not a lot of people would respond the way that you did when you get put in that situation and asking for help and really buckling down. I love the idea of just not drinking and focusing on, on your family and, Success has come, and I love it, and I wish you nothing hey, but and more of that. With that being said, man, to anybody listening, I'm here. Everybody's here. All you got to do is ask. Everybody's willing to help. You know, there's uh, It's if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to talk. Uh, you know, I'm sure yeah. anybody calls you, you'll have the time to talk, and it's easier this way. I... I it's one, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was really to to help people with perspective and to tell people stories out there so that other people can hear them and say, hey, they're not too dissimilar to me. The, you're not alone. No, not at all. Not at all. So. So thank you so much, man. Go enjoy your 30th birthday. Thank you so much for joining us here on Nashville Restaurant. I finally got you. You're episode 32. Yeah. Um. Finally got you on. God, we're here, man. And you got me on a busy day. I gotta go set up a Clayuda station. I'm about to go set up a tortilla station. And we're going live at 11. So if you're listening to this, we'll be here till, I believe we close at 8. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day. Go now. Cinco de Mayo. Go wish Julio happy birthday. Go by there, take him balloons, <laughs> make him ridiculously embarrassed, and like do whatever you can. Go by Nectar Urban Cantina today, Cinco de Mayo, buy lots of tacos, and be happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good day. We got we to gotta have fun, man. Thank you so much again, Julio, for being here. All right, brother. And uh, I love you, dude. I'll see you soon. Take care. I mean, what more can you say? Julio Hernandez, what an awesome guy. Um, thank you, Chef, for coming on National Restaurant Radio. And if you're out there listening to this and it is Cinco de Mayo, please 
go over there today, buy lots of tacos. He's starting to make this fresh milled corn tortillas to go with the tacos today. I dare you. Um, if you want something authentic and amazing, go check it out. And seriously, take him balloons. Do something to embarrass him. Let him know it's his 30th birthday. What a special milestone. What an amazing guy. Thank you all so much for listening today. And I hope that you have a safe and happy Cinco de Mayo. If you're listening to this on a different day, hopefully that day is amazing to you. And I hope that you are staying safe and uh, healthy. Love you guys. Bye.